Jesus. He has stepped across the expanse that separates us from God, namely our sin. And he has bore our sorrows and he has taken our shame and he has made the way that we could know this vast, big God as our personal hope and salvation. Inspiration comes from what I hope to accomplish over the next uh, few weeks with God's help as Pastor Ryan and I um, uh, unfold this, this series through the Psalms, is that we, we want to talk about some things that the church typically and historically has not chosen to talk about, and that's, that's emotional and mental health and, uh, and some of the spiritual um, health that goes with that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about things like depression and anxiety and, and uh, even suicide and some of the tougher subjects because uh, we want to be a place where people can come and find help. And then we believe the help is in the scriptures, don't we? And so we're going to be talking about things that maybe we are uncomfortable but uh, Psalm 8 reminds me of a time in my life, and this is where the inspiration came from, time in our family's life when looking through a window into the night sky was the hope we had and gazing on the creation of the world. And our son would watch airplanes come in and land in the local airport. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a desperate season in our lives. And through that, the promises of God that came. And, and as we journey through the Psalms, I, I pray this is my prayer as we open up the windows of the Psalms that, that we see the, the heart of humanity in the Psalms, we see ourselves in the Psalms, and that also as we, as we open up ourselves to the reality that is discussed in the Psalms, inspired by the Spirit of God, that we will also see God's promises, God's peace, and God's providence. And we'll look into the very heart of God and we'll see his heart for humanity. That, that is my prayer over the next few weeks as we um, journey into the Psalms. So you should expect, you should expect a breeze of God's spirit as curious minds engage the living scriptures and come face to face with the realities of our lives against the backdrop of the goodness of God. Will you expect that with me? Will, will you pray for that with me? Psalm 8, it's on the screen. I want us to read this together. I want us to read this together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, this is your word, inspired by your spirit pointing us to your son, Jesus. Enliven our minds today as we look at this ancient holy text, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I was driving home from Casper, Wyoming to our little town of Buffalo late one night. I had gotten in and uh, I hadn't seen another vehicle for such a long time that lonely stretch of highway between Casper and Buffalo. And, and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I would like to, to just get out of my car. And I pulled to the side of the road and stepped out of the car. I looked up to the vast Wyoming sky and I had a conversation with God much like this one. I imagine that to be the context of Psalm 8. The psalmist alone under the blanket of stars, looking up and beholding the immeasurable wonder of creation. You can't see it all. And moved by the midnight sky, the psalmist breaks out into this searching doxology. And, and here I'm going to use a couple of big theological terms, and, and you are likely familiar with those, but, but what happens in the psalmist's heart and in his mind is that transcendence and imminence intersect. The vastness, the transcendence, the, the out of time, the overall of creation, the bigness of God, the unknowableness of God captures his heart. And then as you see in the psalm, he's also captured by the very real presence and nearness of God. Did you hear it? What is man that you are mindful of him? And the psalmist, his heart, he can't hardly take it because this God of all creation, this huge God, it seems there's so much distance between him and God, and, and suddenly the reality comes to his heart that God has, has sought and reached across the heavens to make himself known to the psalmist. And he stirs his heart. One scientist said, you know, science is not only compatible with spirituality, it is a profound source of spirituality. When we recognize our place in an immensity of light years, we, we measure distance in light years, how far light travels in a year, and the expanse of that, and, and how long it takes, and we measure that. 
in the immensity of light years and in the passage of ages. And when we grasp the intricacy, the beauty, the subtlety of life, then that soaring feeling, that sense of elation and humility combined, that is surely spiritual. I think that's what the psalmist is feeling. Wow. That's probably his heart. Wow. Full weight of God. All of the resources of heaven. And suddenly he realizes he is a big God, yes. He is massive and unsearchable, and, and I will never know everything there is to know about this God until... But he is a big God for little people like me. He is a big God for little people like me. Scriptures say that he ordained praise. It, it's, it's better translated. Listen, it is better translated he has ordained to bring victory. See it? From the chatter of little children as they behold the wonder of all that God is becomes a shield and a rampart and a protection. You know, you think this Thursday, 4th of July, fireworks and, and the kid, oh, wow, ooh, ah, look at that one. That was my favorite. It's like that. That's the emotion the psalmist is trying to capture. And within that, God raises up a bulwark, a standard in our lives, Pastor Joseph. So that even, listen, even on the lips of the weakest among us, the enemies of God are silenced. by the chatter of those who are amazed by God. Isn't that good news today, church? It is amazing. It's, like, it's just like when Elisha prayed and, and his servant was so fearful. Look at how many are against us. Look at all of them. I don't think I can take one more blow to my, to my emotions. I don't think I can handle one more bit of bad news. I don't. And Elisha prayed, God, open the eyes of his heart to see. To see your bigness. Chariots, horses, and the warring angels of God surrounding him. Wow. 
the vast expanse of God, the majesty of God, and the constant vigil of God's care over his creation. I want you to see this next picture. That's a rather famous image. Apollo 17, 1972. It's termed by the astronauts. Earth looks like a big blue marble. Can you find uh, Terre Haute, Indiana on that? (laughs) What about this next one? Yeah, you know where this is from? 1990 Voyager 1, all the way moving through our, our solar system, looking back, taking this picture, and that pale blue dot is Earth. What about the next one? I had to circle them because the pale blue dots were so close. Looking back in comparison with the sun and, and that first circle in, in the middle is Venus and then off, off to my left is I've circled the pale blue dot. And the expanse. Do you hear the rustling of God's spirit as he moves on the heart of the psalmist? And the psalmist knows, I've got much to be afraid of. The terror at night, the darkness, the the wild animals, the bandits, and I'm out here alone guarding my sheep. I don't know. But God, I feel so defenseless. And if you're honest... And if I'm honest, there are moments that we feel just that way. I am helpless and defenseless in this cesspool in which I live. The whole world, all these enemies, psalmist, probably says more than he knows, really. But it's a word that God has preserved through the ages just for us, just for those moments when we feel helpless and defenseless. When we feel the most vulnerable and afraid. I wonder sometimes if if this psalm, this Psalm 8, didn't inspire uh, James, the brother of Jesus, when he said, you know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I don't have any scholarly support for that. But I do know the biblical authors in the New Testament often interpreted life through the lens of the Old Testament. In fact, that's all they did. And, and it, it would serve us to know what James knew, this, that, that astrology and was very popular in his day. And people had come to believe that the belief that each star, each uh, 
was a god. You know, like people follow astrology today. They read their horoscopes, finding the hope, hope. Maybe there's hope here in the horoscopes. Maybe the stars. It hasn't changed. But James is pointing that we are not puppets of those capricious and arbitrary deities that hang in the night sky. Our lives are held. Oh, drink deep here, church. Our lives are held, bound, together, secure, preserved, sustained by the God who is the father of all of those lights. That's what James is saying. He is above and beyond all those lights. He is so much more. And it's him that holds you. That's why Jesus could say, oh, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little one. Do not. This book. Preserved through the ages. I've got probably 15 of them on my shelf. Got another 40 translations on my phone. In a developing world, it's the book of the promises of God. Promises of God that though drought or violence, there is restoration. Though broken relationships, though grieving parents, though addiction that you cannot overcome that has devastated your family, there is the promise of God that yet there is hope. I see you, little one. You're not on your own. You're not defenseless against all that. And the night sky blanketed with stars is like that for the psalmist, a book of promises, each one. God is for me, not against me. Don't you love that church? Oh, come on. God is for me not against me. And if he is for me, the father of lights, the one who stands out of time, the transcendence of whom is unknowable, the vastness of is immeasurable. Paul said, if he is for me, who or what can ever be successful against me? Nothing. And really, 
you get down to it, Psalm 8 is not meant to make us feel insignificant. It is to make us know that we are secure. We are people. Christians, followers of Jesus, we are people saved by the power of God from the cesspool of sin. And this is meant to make us secure in our hope and in our salvation. Do you believe that today, church? Wow. And Jesus. See, the psalmist didn't have Jesus yet. But we have the New Testament. And what we see in Jesus, the Son of God, is the exact representation of the transcendence and the imminence, the very real presence of God. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, because one day he will walk me into the presence of his Father and he will present me without fault and with exceeding joy. Jesus. Wow. I love Jesus. He has stepped across the expanse that separates us from God, namely our sin. And he has bore our sorrows and he has taken our shame and he has made the way that we could know this vast, big God as our personal hope and salvation. And Paul said, when Jesus did that, when he stepped across eternity, God, the Father, placed all things under his feet. (laughs) I wish I had someone today. God placed all, say that with me, all things under his feet. Wow. See, I love what A.W. Tozer said about this, though. He said, he said, we think that because we know something, therefore we have it. I know this about Jesus, but do I have him? I know this about the Father, but do I have him? 
I know all the rules. I know all the things I ought to do. Got them down pat. I've been following them since I was a little kid. But do I have Jesus? It's a haunting question. Can only be settled by you. When we receive Jesus by faith, church, When we receive Jesus by faith, the scriptures say, how will God not also along with him give us all things, the kingdom of heaven included? That's your God. Have you received him? I'm going to pause just, and I've got one or two other things to say. But if you're struggling with, and then I feel so small, nobody cares. I'm in this alone. Maybe right now would be a good time to say, Jesus, I need you. Real. Right here. Right now. To save me from all my enemies, including the sin that separates me from the Father. That's what I'm going to do. I didn't have this planned, but I'm, I'm going to pray. I want you to bow your heads, and I, I want, I'm going to pray. And you pray along with me. Your heart. And if that's you today that you would say, I know about Jesus, I know all this is true, heard it but I don't have Jesus would you just raise your hand right now I want to pray for you (coughs) Father in Jesus name we believe we know that you are the son of God Jesus. Father, that you sent your son to step across time and eternity to save us from our sin. Today, put my trust in you. Help me to live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. couple more things. I learned a new word this week as I was studying for this psalm. It's one of those 75 cent words that uh, Cheryl accuses me of using all the time. 
didn't know this one, plenipotentiary. Plenipotentiary. It means a person, especially a diplomat, invested with the full power of independent action on behalf of the government. He has made you ruler, given you a charge. Take care of this world and take care of one another. And we see this wondrous truth that humanity somehow, especially especially followers of Christ, we bear the face of Jesus to one another. Pastor Joseph, you have a charge to keep. Bear the face of Jesus. Be the Jesus with skin on. Do you know why that's so important for us, church? Is because people are fooled and disappointed all the time by the flawed images they see all around them. And authenticity, genuine, real faith is the apologetic of our day. real. And Paul even went on in Ephesians and he told the church, you are the fullness of him. The likeness of Jesus. Paul says, we bear this image in every corner of culture and society, not just when we gather on Sunday morning or Sunday night, everywhere we go. I am sure glad. I'm glad today for the salvation of Jesus. And I am really glad for the Holy Spirit's presence that Pastor Joseph talked to us about that is at work in me, transforming me and changing me so that I can bear faithfully the face of Jesus a lost and dying world. Amen. So what do you do with a message like this? Just a minute, we're going to pray over Pastor Joseph, but I, let, me, let me tell you this. Can, can I give you a couple of prescriptions, maybe three prescriptions from this message, and I'll be quick. Take a nighttime walk. Get outside your air-conditioned house. 
and look up into the sky. Stop from all your hustling to and fro. And just look up. And when you do, cast all your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. And then I would say this. Make somebody else's burden lighter. That's what God has done for you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. A charge to keep. Make someone else's burden lighter. And when we do that, church, when we do that, we better be ready because the spirit breeze is full of hope, redemption, and courage, and we will see it right before our eyes. Amen. Do you receive this word today, church? Yeah, it's a good word. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name.